Okay. Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. On this fine episode, we will be discussing the final three episodes of Star Trek colon Picard. My name is Ethan. I'm one of three hosts. My name is Kevin. One of two. One of three hosts. The second of... I Do that again. Yeah, no, good. Keep going. I love it. It's funny. My name is Kevin. Two of three. Org designation two of three. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am the newcomer. Not anymore. No, your old hat now. Oh, goodness. This is your third one. Yeah, you're three of three on the third episode. Yeah, so our little uh, mini collective here of three of three drones. So the only three Borg that are still alive, I guess. Yes, right. We didn't have to consume all of our brothers and sisters to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are. We've reached the end. We have. Did it feel like a proper send off to you? So I'm glad you bring up proper send. I can't tell you how much better I am sleeping now that we've gotten the proper send off. Yeah, so this is something that we've been much discussed amongst us, and I'm sure that anyone listening has noticed that a lot of the talk around this series has been about giving a proper send-off to the uh, the Next Generation crew. Um, and we also heard this in the first season when giving a proper send-off to Data. So I, I think we're all just kind of tired of hearing this idea of proper send-off because it suggests that there was an improper send-off that needs to be corrected. It's such a subjective term. And we'll sort of dive into it after we've gone over the events of the season. But, I mean, look, maybe there are people out there who felt who felt that Nemesis was a proper send-off. Just because it may not have been as successful as some wanted it to be doesn't make it, as you say, improper it was just you know i just i keep asking the question is it because of sixes star trek sixes ending it's so perfect that that's what they're trying to and if it wasn't that then that makes it improper like i just i don't i don't know what that means when they say proper send off i think it probably means that having an ending when they know it's the ending because i assume at the end of nemesis they didn't know that was the last movie yeah, it was strange. I mean, it kept getting advertised as a generation's final journey. But Uh-oh. yeah, I think very much like maybe this season was that if it's not the that we could do this for another movie, we could do this. We could come back and do another film. But if not, this will be a satisfactory ending, I guess. Right. Whereas as you said, Star Trek six, they kind of knew the original crew was done with movies until uh, Shatner screwed that up by coming back. I I feel like there might be some feeling of characters were sort of tainted by the movies and they like the fandom I guess needed a proper send off meaning you know doing a recovery like memory recovery from before the movies mm. I right. mean, having watched First Contact recently, I 
I screamed when Picard grabs a rope with his strong muscles that are squirting out of his body. I don't know. You know, like all this stuff where it's not really in character. Mm -hmm. I feel like people might have been offended by how the characters were played later on. And supposedly... They were, I think. Absolutely. Supposedly, this was their way to bring them back mm -hmm. to a likable level, proper level. Yeah. So much mm. properness. And I, by ending... I agree with that. The series ended, essentially. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the ending was a given in my rambling. So the proper ending was... The proper send-off was the original send-off. That's all this series has been is proper send-offs. Every season has been a proper send-off. That's all that's that's all oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, I guess season two they were giving a proper send-off to Q allegedly. And mm -hmm. the proper send-off to the crew that the the crew and all the characters they created for season one. And this and this season undoes all of those proper send-offs and does another and does another proper send-off. So it's almost like yeah, I think we, it's like a we parody just at this point. Yeah. Pro I think uh, we should just be cynical and say proper send-off is just a marketing term. <laughs> it, no, totally, totally. So, well, so the last three episodes, um, a lot happened in a, in a very short amount of time. Um, mm. I would say... The whole season happened, really. I would, I would say for me, what kind of shocked me the most was at the end of episode eight how everything kind of just shifted meaning that vatic who was clearly you know the villain turns out she was not the villain and we find out who the real villain was in the beginning of is in the beginning of episode nine so I wasn't really expecting that. I was not, everyone had their theories about everything. Is it the Borg? Is it this or that? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see how it could possibly be the Borg. And, you know, man, was I wrong about that. So I, I think that's kind of where I was sort of shocked the most is when it shifted like that. Yeah, I found it was, it's almost as if the whole season, you only have to watch the last four episodes. It sort of feels like, but mm. the the thing um, I just thought it was very strange. So they built up a lot of um, not sympathy for Vatic, but at least a lot of backstory as to you know it really left you wondering. You know, well, Vatic had been wronged in a major way, and yeah, her actions became more understandable. And even you had Picard and Crusher debating like what should we do should we kill her is it okay to kill her when she suffered so much and this is just revenge yeah. and it's sort of justified but then suddenly everything switches and it's just all right guys we're gonna kick ass and just murder all these bad guys hmm. that was um that was very abrupt i thought and even just when they send her frozen body that smashes into a million pieces and then they like blow the ship it all felt very overkill yeah, very overkill and very uh, out of nowhere. It's kind of like the show went from being sort of nuanced and more subtle and debating the morality of what they were going to do to just all out ass kicking. 
also, correct me if I'm wrong, in my understanding, it's a Federation policy not to kill. Well, not to fire first. But, but like, yeah. like even when they fire responding, like they mm. always try to keep stuff to stun, not kill. Yeah. And well, I was very confused. Yeah, know, it makes I sense. Remember. I mean, I don't know that it's definitely the policy, but I could see their policy being like, you only kill the people if it's last resort. If you can take them alive, you do it. Right. Yeah, but I mean, in general, the only... Like, I never remember anybody in um, TNG ever killing somebody on purpose. Only in self-defense. But like, not yeah. even, like, even the least possible, like, like it's almost never kill somebody on purpose. Mm. If it's an out, you know, a one-to-one -one contact. Yeah. Or maybe it was maybe more Voyager were literally like, I don't think they ever killed anyone. So I guess I just absorbed Not intentionally. It as a, as yeah. I mean, I can um, think of at least one instance on next gen. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. In general, like I have this idea of the Federation as a reformative rather yeah. than annihilating because that's the whole point. Yeah. Well, as Kevin and I have pointed out before, in Starfleet, you can break all the rules as long as in the end you like save some people, then it doesn't really matter. They seem to just it's all water under the bridge. And didn't that happen here? That's exactly how this season ended. It ended totally. exactly yeah. like and that. that one was more understandable because you did save the entire fleet and Earth. Right. Right. But still, like the fact that they were Powdering, like mm. destroying and disrupting from the universe all these all these people. Yes. Was and people that very disturbing been, to me. People that have been kidnapped and tortured by Section 31 right. for years. Yeah, like it's like even even in Deep Space Nine that they were trying not to kill the 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 the, the, the Dominion. The Dominion. Yeah. And actually, look at that. This is the Dominion. I mean, this is the shapeshifters, and, right. and they're just gung-ho, like, yeah, kick ass, just blow them out of the yeah. sky. Yeah. yeah. So that was strange, just because it did, it, it was such a shift. The, in a way, I, I kind of did like the subterfuge, though. I like that Vatic didn't end up being, because when Vatic died, and her ship was destroyed, I thought to myself, well, now what? Like, what is there left to deal with? And well, we knew we had still the, there was still the changeling stuff. There was still these sort of like things hanging in the air. But I, 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 but I felt like there's certainly still a threat out there. But I, but I, it was like we have we had two episodes left, and you know what's going to happen. And I think also, um, it wasn't. It was still kind of a gray, it was still a little shady. We didn't really quite know what the plan was, what their, I mean, we thought we knew, they thought they knew what it was. Like they wanted to take Picard's body and do something with it, but it never really seemed, it wasn't like a hundred percent clear. And 
the show didn't confirm that. Like we didn't have a scene like with the with Vadic, the villain, saying, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Like giving us any Actually, sense you of had what quite the opposite. Us. Yeah. You had the opposite. You had Vadic say, Oh, you, you people are so dumb, you don't even realize. Yeah. Because actually what they thought it was was actually kind of stupid. Hmm. They could they thought, oh, you're doing this so you can make like a perfect copy of Picard. Like, why would they do right. that? When they they've already copied most of Starfleet. He's a retired admiral. I don't see what benefit you get to copying a retired admiral to go right. through all this trouble when you can control literally everyone else. You we, can replace everyone else. In our last episode, we knew that was the case. And I remember saying, I'm like, so the, I'm like, so, and I'm like, so what? They're just going to do Nemesis again? Like, that's what this is. And, but in the end, now, now that we're looking at this with the season over with, the plan didn't add up mm -hmm. at that time. And it turns out it wasn't supposed to because we didn't even we had no idea what the actual bigger threat was until episode nine. And the, right. So I can't be mad about that because and this is the issue you have with serialized stories, right? Like if we had been doing this episode by episode, I'd be like, what the you know, what, what, what is going on? Right. So the only disappointment I have is that our characters who we know to be so brilliant. Yeah, couldn't realize that the what they thought was the plan was too stupid to be the real plan. Right. I would expect them to know that. But I think you bring up an interesting point, right? It it's it because it seems like we most of it was subterfuge. We didn't know. I just like saying that word too. The true threat came into play in episode eight, and I wondered if we does that mean. Like, could we have, could they have actually done this in just a handful of episodes? If they just, what would that be? Yeah. yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Cause you had a lot of time stuck in that, um, gas cloud in space. Well, cause ulti and ultimately a lot of the stuff that we thought was a threat didn't really even amount to anything because it was just meant to be a distraction very much like stealing the portal weapon was. I mean, I would say the thing that carried through the most was, I mean, we knew the changeling threat was through the entire season, right? It's what we find out. It's not just the change things. There's one more element to this that makes it way worse. And that is the Borg, which, like I said, everyone kept theorizing it's the Borg. It's, I think it's going to be the Borg. And I'm like, I, is it though? Like, I don't see any indication of that. And then it was, but it was done in a very interesting, original and compelling way. Although I would have really preferred they didn't mix apples and oranges yeah. by putting the Borg and the Dominion together because mm -hmm. they're so disconnected. Right. Like mm -hmm. in every single aspect of their person and their culture. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought it's the Borg Queen manipulating mm -hmm. these, cha these changelings. They too smart. Here's the thing. I didn't like it at first when we found out it's the Borg working with the changelings to do this. I thought, I don't... That to me sounds like... So, there was a period of time, I don't know if it's still the case, like when, these, when they would do these giant Star Trek novels, which would be like these big event novels. And there were always these like absurd stories where it was like, you know, the Borg are assimilating the planet killers and they're coming with undeniable, like things you would never see in the movies or the shows. Cause it's just, it's so ridiculous, right? Things mm. you would have never imagined happening. 
And this sounded like that. And this sounded like that. And so for a while, I was like, I don't, this just sounds like, like a Peter David Star Trek novel with the Borg joining forces with the Dominion to conquer the human race. Right. There was, but there was, and I, and I felt that way. And then it changed by just one, by one thing. It What's was that? The, it was the fact that they linked this back to Voyager's final episode, Endgame, when future Admiral Janeway inflicts the Borg with a neurolytic pathogen. And this is a result of that pathogen. And I thought, you know what? That's cool. Because yes, in the fact that you have a desperate Borg queen. Right. Who has no choice but to, and but of course, would not give up. So instead takes right. this tact of, okay, I have these people who hate the Federation and want to, them gone as much as I do. So I can use them to do my bidding until I can get to help right. me to get in there and do it and then restore my and collective. It's, a, it's very much, there's a, there's a little bit of a parallel too. So you, when you have the connection with the neurolytic pathogen and Endgame and seeing what it does to the Borg and how it decimates them and following up on it in this episode, it's a lot like on The Next Generation in the episode I, Borg, when we meet Hugh and his sense of individuality that he gained ends up being very damaging to the Borg. And they follow up on that in the two-part episode, Descent, where you have these Borg who recovered their individuality and then they're like, oh, yes. they're cast you know, they're, they're cast out. And that's where Lore comes in and tries to help them. It's this ripple effect within the Borg collective that's happened, you know, twice now. And so, and honestly, like that was a story thread that I, that I think fans wanted to know more about like yeah what happened to the Borg after they were given that neurologic pathogen did it work did it do anything and so I like that it sort of took that thread and followed through with it and made that part of the story they don't they don't reference Janeway in that sense directly it's sort of more implied that that's what happened yeah Janeway was actually uh, conspicuously absent from this series yeah so uh that saved it for me uh, I mean, I still feel really strongly about it. I feel like it's sort of physically impractical, given that mm -hmm. the Borg were, are, you know, their their access to the Alpha Quadrant has been since severely reduced. Mm -hmm. And the the um, also the the profits, right? Uh, Kind of like what's the word for it? They didn't close the 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 connection to the their the area where the Dominion resides, the but definitely like also that connection is reduced, mm -hmm. and mm. so there is this very low profile. Yeah, although. I think it's these may have only been the the changelings that were taken by Section Thirty One experimented on. Yeah, this was not this was not all of them. Yeah, it was like a faction of them. Connection at least. Between all these players, and I would have found it more plausible if anything else or nothing at all would have been connected to the board. 
as a mm. final nemesis. It's yeah. One thing I really did like was their new plan for assimilation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure that it had been established, and it actually does sound a little suspect that part of the process of um, transporting is that they say, well, most of our DNA is the same, so we'll just like use a backup copy and only put in the stuff that makes you different. I mean, that seems a little strange right. and dangerous, but yeah. I was willing to roll with it, and I, I really thought that that was a clever idea. Yeah. And even connecting it to Picard having been Locutus yeah. and having this you know gen, um sort of biological borg bit left in him was was pretty pretty good i i thought that all, all worked quite well yeah i it reminded me in the voyager episode dark frontier the borg mention to seven the borg queen mentions to seven of nine that they were going to try to assimilate humanity again but she makes it perfectly clear that every attempt they had made before that was foiled. So they decided to come at it in a different way by preparing an assimilation virus, which they would just unleash on Earth and people would just start becoming. So it would not require like some overwhelming force to just take it. Right. So, so they had already been working on this for been, a while. Well, it, it, it's th- this is not, I don't think this is what that was. It's just another example of like the Borg trying another right. way to, you know, rethinking their strategy a bit. I still believe that. In the past, you know, they've only they've all they've always always sent one cube. Send fifty. Yeah. I mean, that's all you gotta do, yeah. really. But it probably worked. Just send overwhelming force. That's all you gotta do. And it and, yeah. the, and it's yours. So I I do think that one of the main things of this these last three episodes and and the season, a lot of it kind of rested on Jack as a character. Totally. Yeah. And it's funny because I almost kind of forgot about Jack as we were talking because I didn't really love Jack. I didn't think he was a very compelling character. No, I mean, I think he, I like the actor who portrays him. I just, I think from, I think for, I, I agree with you. And part of my struggle with the, this season was just that at times it felt like the show was trying to be an ensemble, but then it was also trying to focus on one, two characters, right? And so I think like there was a lot of shifting in focus and I didn't really quite know. I'm like, well, I'm like, who's the lead in this season? I know it's called Star Trek Picard, but is it really, it doesn't feel like it's about Picard. It feels like it's supposed to be about Jack, but then it's also this TNG reunion. So it's kind of like the focus of the season, I felt like kept, kind of shifting around and didn't really like, I felt like I should care more about Jack, but I just, I didn't. Yeah. I I could have done without the red door. I could have done without most of the lead up. And I think it would have worked just as well. Sorry, go ahead, Julia. Oh, uh, I was just thinking that as Kevin is pointing out, there is, there is this weird feeling I have towards Jack as it's just a token. Like it, it really heavily feels like a token, whereas like we have we need a character that has to cover all of these. It needs to be new and needs to be like you know a a potential continuation for this series. Mm, right. A lead. I, 
it's not like a Mary Sue that I feel like, oh, but it's sort of like, <laughs> what? Please don't use that term. I just hear that a lot in reference to other but, things. Sorry. But yeah. it's not like that. It, that is like that. It's more like, isn't this all too good of a coincidence for this character to be, to have all this specific experience and react in these specific ways? that yeah. are not justified just for the sake of making the story spin around and keep him well, an interesting character. The question I would pose to you, both of you, is that Jack is Picard's son. True. And what does that, that, the fact that he is Picard's son didn't make him any more interesting to me. Like, I like, in other words, okay, he's, Picard and Beverly's son. That's, and I feel like that's supposed to be a big deal, and yet it never felt like it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the important part was that he got his Borg bit. Right. To me, that's almost the only part that matters. Yeah. Like, I don't, don't, it was great that he had a son. And like it was, you know, we were seeing sort of a side of Picard that we had never really seen before. But in a, I don't know, in a way, and I liked, I think they had good chemistry, right? But I, I just, it didn't feel to me like it was portrayed in a very, and if, I keep wanting, I, I don't know why I want to say this because it's going to, not gonna sound like it makes any sense. I just can't think of any other way of putting it. It didn't feel like it was portrayed very strongly. Like I, I, I don't, I, I can't really. It wasn't hitting. I, you know what I mean? Like it, it didn't. It wasn't really landing for me fully. I guess. I think. Do you know what I'm I saying? I think that to your point, it really feels like they are forcing him on you, and he's not like a naturally, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, enticing character. Right. It's like the show is to ask. Saying like, is it a cool? Is it? Don't you like him? Don't yeah. you? Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. because on paper he should have been cool. He had been going around sort of doing these clandestine like rescue and right. and um, aid missions with his mom. Yeah. So he has this kind of like you know they're smugglers for good or something, you know. So that should have been cool, but he never embodied any of that. He always just felt like. Oh, it's a really good-looking actor, right? With the British accent, <laughs> and I'm, and they told me all this stuff about his past, but I never really saw any of it. Right, right. Like I'm glad it wasn't something they dragged out. I mean, we found out about it in episode two that they were related. Yeah, well, but uh, Riker knew right away. Riker knew right away. But <laughs> I guess when they revealed it, I was like, oh. But I didn't find myself. The questions I was asking is more like, okay, well, when did that happen? When did they get together? Why did they? And that was kind of all I was asking. It, there was nothing mm. else that was really, it wasn't changing my view of Picard or anything. And I don't, I don't even know if it was supposed to. It, I guess it didn't leave a huge impact on me. It didn't feel impactful. The show didn't really treat it that way. And, and I think it's, and it was just one thing out of like a million other things the season was doing. And so it felt like there wasn't 
It but interestingly, the whole first proper half was all that. Right. So listen up. Um, rewriting the series instead of having this very long lingering uh, setup for the um, uh, for the, the, the changelings, having uh, Beverly and Jack like get involved a little bit earlier in the season without. They're in the first, you first episode. They're in the They're first, in the first episode. <laughs> Yeah, but like, you know, like, this happens. Yeah. But I'm not saying, like, this should happen earlier. This should happen earlier, the development. Like, the development of the relationship should have a lapse of time. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. Like, we could have followed, like, we could have followed Beverly and Jack for a bit. We, oh, or, like or teeing it just, up a little bit more. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Or just, you know, making them act a little bit longer before, like, dumping it into drama and action. Right. Because yeah. these people don't know each other at all. It has been, how, how long has it been since the beginning of the season? Like, two weeks stops? Well, like, been, yeah, I mean, maybe less. How long could they have been in that gas cloud? A week? Well, my, and the thing is, and Julia is making a good point because my recollection was we don't even like in the first scene with Beverly when she's doing, we don't even see Jack. We hear him or like there's somebody there with who ends up being Jack, but like they sort of keep him a secret to the viewers too. And it's like, but like you could have just showed him to us and we wouldn't have known. We're not gonna be like, Oh, is that Picard's son? We're just gonna be like, who's that? Right, we would not have made that connection. They sort of kept him hidden from us for a while too, until we, they finally, because she like locked him in a room and she was dealing with everything. And yo, let me out, let me out. And we, so we don't. I don't think we see him really until the end of the episode, as I recall. So no, it's the it's the beginning of of episode two. Like we see him, but we don't see. That's him. right. So what? He's like doing something, but we don't. We see, see him at the same time. Picard sees him, as I recall. Basically, right. yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a there was not there was no time for it to be a mystery. Like uh, there wasn't enough time for it. It wasn't a mystery long enough for us to be like, oh my well, god. I think that like even yeah. if it wasn't, a, it's not the being a mystery not long enough. It's more like there is no stake because we don't we we are not involved in this character whatsoever. Right. So given there is no stake, it's just like okay, so this character that supposedly. There is a build-up right. to the revelation that is Picard's son, but it's like I don't care who this guy is, you know, like he's, he's a smug British guy, and then they tell me, oh, it's Picard's son, and I'm like, okay, he's still a smug British guy, uh, and if they showed who he is as a person before yeah. he got kidnapped, for instance, like there will be some more like I care about this guy rather than caring about this guy because Beverly and Picard. Yeah, he was telling, not showing. Think about how they help people. They're good. You're, you're both making me think of the Wrath of Khan. Think about the time, the, the amount of time we spend with David Marcus before we actually find out. Exactly. Oh, that's we get to son. know it. It's so much more impactful because we know him as a character like, before we find out. He's we find son. out. It's We find out at the same, as I recall, the same time that Kirk does. But, it, but at that time, we've already spent enough time with him 
to where like even if he wasn't Kirk's son, he's still an interesting character to kind of see on screen. Yeah. But it's like, oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's what you got to do. And it was, I mean, it it sort of implies it. I mean, I remember like in one of his first scenes, he says to um, Carol, he goes, "Remember that overgrown Boy Scout used to hang out with?" That's exactly. And she says, "Look, listen, kiddo, Jim Kirk was many things, but he was never a Boy Scout." Oh, right? yeah. And then when Kirk meets him face to face, then we kind of. So we spent, and they did all that in two hours. We had a couple of scenes with David. Yeah, at least like two or three scenes before we before it's kind of like, oh, that's Kirk's son. So, yeah, I think yeah. that would have been nicer. Yeah. But, but here's something interesting that I was so in watching the end. There was a point when I thought, I sort of jokingly, I think, said to you, Julia, um, uh, oh, they've gone full Return of the Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) And I just meant it as an offhand comment. But then after watching it and I thought about it, it was, and I said that when when the ship finally got into the center of the board cube. Which ship was that? Uh, Oh, that was the, um, I think it was called the uh, Millennium, I mean, uh, Enterprise. The saucer section um, of the Enterprise and the star drive section of the Syracuse. Is that the one? It's only they get there. And the I was like, oh, they're going, they're going full Empire Strikes Back. They have to go to the middle of the thing. It's square yeah. instead of spherical. And uh, they have to blow up the thing right in the center. And then, though, when I saw the, the Borg Queen and oh. Jack and Picard, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, they've switched father and son. Yep. But it's the it essentially is you've got the emperor, which is the Borg Queen talking to Jack and you know trying to convince him like stay with me in the power, and then you have appealing to the love between a father and son to break them out of the spell of the dark side, so to speak. Oh. Um, so that was it was, and even the fact that they're cutting between that and then the spaceship trying to blow up the the. Death Star slash Borg Cube. It was very, very Return of the Jedi. You just didn't have someone trying to, you know, get the shields down. That was the now, only difference. I'm going to ask you a dumb question, but do you think that was all just a happy accident? Or no way. It's just so similar that how could they not? Yeah, You're, there's no this like. Yeah, this is like with season two of Discovery. Like, of course that was the Borg. What are you talking about? Like, how could it not be? It's such a you know. Oh, right. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I think that it probably was. I mean, there's no way that it was an accident. But I think it's fine if you're going to rip, not rip something off. If you're going to take inspiration from something, Return of the Jedi, the end of Return of the Jedi is a pretty good place to do it. And I did really appreciate that, even though there was one point where I had flashbacks to um, Discovery when the entire fleet was laser beaming at once. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, this reminds me of uh, when you had all the drone, all the Such ships fighting at the end of yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that it came down to instead an emotional scene that was the actual climax of it instead of a, a action or ship blowing up things. So I really appreciated that. That was that was very good. I really liked and I thought it all worked really well. Well, let me let me ask you this. So I, w- I want to because you you um, I wanted to bring this up. So um, in episode nine. That's when the and I by the way, I was completely vindicated. 
I, I was so glad that I was right. Like I knew that they were going to resurrect the Enterprise D for this. I mean, I don't know that the writing was on the wall, but it just seemed like they did a really good job of like telling you like all these ships are linked together. I thought to myself, they need a ship that's not linked, an old ship. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, you know, naturally the uh, and we knew that the Enterprise D was salvaged from Viridian Three. It was <coughs> that was stated someplace in season two. So it seemed to me it was obvious that's where it was going. What I want to put out there was like, so you had that great moment, right? Now, you know me, I'm not, I'm not one on, I'm getting like nostalgia burnout. Sometimes it's effective. Sometimes it isn't. But when they walked onto, so first of all, you see the Enterprise D and it looks great. Then they walk onto the bridge of the Enterprise D recreated in exact detail. Yes. I'm so glad they didn't try to update it or anything. Right. Well, I I pointed out to somebody, I said, you know, if they want to get technical, it should have, but I know they kind of got around it by saying Geordi's restoring it. It didn't have the appearance of how it looked in Star Trek Generations because it looked a little bit different in Star Trek Generations. They had two consoles on on opposite sides of the wall, but that's fine. So um, that's not a big deal. Um, I'm going to tell you something. When they got onto that bridge, and they're having a moment. They were just kind of looking around. Great to be there. The moment they got into their stations, right? I'm telling you, he just, he, Patrick Stewart's performance just shifted right back. It wasn't just the fact that he was like in command of the Enterprise again, but like he's playing Picard as an admiral in a very different way. The moment he sat in that chair, like he was captain picard again not just literally on the show but even in his performance like you saw it just happen right in front of you and i'm telling you the second they just got into their stations and the enterprise off space dock like i just i couldn't i almost broke when seven was like doing her recollection of voyager but that moment i just i didn't make it it was perfect oh, yeah yeah i thought it worked really well also and it also it's just because for me that was the show that I f- completely fell in love with Star Trek watching right. when I, and I was very young. So yeah, seeing them back there, it was very, very well done. Well, that was, that was the right kind of nostalgia where you it's, you know, because you use the cliche term, it was earned, you know, they had built up to it. There was a reason for it that made sense with the story. Mm-hmm. So kudos to uh, Metallus for that. It wasn't done. Like, say the nostalgia in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like, oh, hey, remember this? this it one? made total sense in the storyline. Absolutely. Mm. It was earned. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much the difference so. that I was putting, that I was talking about with the Jack character. And that is another detrimental bit of how they wrote the character in because mm-hmm. the series is showing you that they can earn something with the ending, with the original. original well, because also, don't forget, they mentioned it, they they planted the seed early on in the season when they say having all of the ships linked together, right? So it was obvious, like, oh, an older ship clearly is not going to be linked to everything. So, like, they were setting it up far earlier. So by the time they got there, like, yes, that makes 1,000% sense that that's mm-hmm. why they would do that. Yeah. I do wish that they had gone the next step and had Seven somehow take Voyager. That's what I said to you I think was going to happen. That would have been <laughs> And uh, uh, Worf in the Defiant. Yes. 
You could because they were yeah. showing us them at the museum, and I thought to myself, yeah. And I, and uh, I it would have been a little, a little over the top, but I think it really would have worked. Well, the reason why I th- were, the reason why I thought they were going to do that was, you know, I kind of thought this was going to be sort of an Avengers episode because it, it had been stated before the season began that even though this was sort of the proper send off for the next gen crew, it's also it's all its intention was also to kind of close the book on this sort of like. Um, era of Trek and that of course includes Deep Space Nine and Voyager so I thought to myself symbolically it would make sense if somehow yes, Voyager yeah. and the Defiant would join in that battle right yes and I think it could have worked because when they were destroying the Titan um, Seven could have gotten on a shuttle and done just like they did right zipped out grabbed just grab Voyager and then zipped back but it's okay that that didn't happen but I also call Balderdash on this being the you know, the closeout to all that, because I mean, clearly we're going to be seeing more of seven. Right. So I think again, it's just marketing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would have been, nonetheless, I still think it would have been quite a sight to see. Cause I, 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 in a way, as much as I love the Avengers, I've always felt that Star Trek needed something like that. I've always felt the Trek needed an Avengers type of event. I would, I, would have loved, I would love to see that. And I think this and, well, a, yeah. I think this could bring us to the the one place where I do think that Terry Metellus kind of did call out Kurtzman mm. was when he talked about how he was denied the budget to bring on um Janeway. Right. And who else was it? Harry Kim. Yes, Harry Kim and Janeway. Yeah. So I think that was a call out definitely to him because yeah. wouldn't it have been great to see Jane Janeway? Well, especially, yeah, because she had been, not only had she been mentioned several times throughout the season, but I think also she could have been the one, I mean, Tuvok ultimately was the one that did it, but I could have seen her being, in that scene between Tuvok and Seven, the real Tuvok and Seven, when he's like giving her the message from Shaw and everything, and I thought that could have been a scene for Janeway. Yeah, I wonder if they wrote it for Janeway and then they got the no. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't know. What do you I, think, I Julia? Think, um, yeah. Most of all, honestly, like I can see how they when they wrote it, they didn't specify exactly, yeah. but definitely would have some. It would have sounded more powerful coming from Janeway, but or at least like even just a Janeway cameo with a voice. Right, because right, they can afford Chekhov. I assume That's right. they could. They could pay. They could, you know, it's. It's a multi-million dollar production. They could have paid for a five-minute cameo. Well, and I'm talking about cameo, the app. Not <laughs> oh, you don't not an actual, yeah. We could just use a cameo to get our voice recording. It's only two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. um, oh, that's funny. But I think you know, I, I think with Trek fans, certainly with me, there has been a kind of longing like I said, for that sort of like to bring some characters together from every series working towards something. And I still kind of hold out hope that maybe they'll do that someday. But, um, and that's kind of what they wanted to do. They wanted to make a film like that at one point. Mm. But, um, cause I had every hope like, Oh, is the doctor from void? And I kept saying with all this changeling paranoia, the one person who would make the most sense would be the doctor from Voyager. Cause he's a hologram. 
Yeah, you can't change like him. I mean, you can just automatically tell that it's him. Like there's, there's, a, you know, there's a guy you can you can trust. So, but then uh, they have to come up with another reason why. So you have a, a, a android that aged. Now you need to explain why the hologram is aged. Well, who knows what he did to his holometrix over the last twenty years? So. <laughs> For the same reason, he always wanted to be human. Mm. So, so you could have him and Data meet, right? And then right. maybe. Him and friend, him and Data are friends now, so they decided to age gracefully together. Well, maybe they'd meet and they wouldn't like each other, and that'd be kind of funny. Well, so you know, you also mentioned you know <laughs> in that final battle with the Enterprise going inside of the Borg cube. Um, what I like about that is it really showed you. I liked seeing the Enterprise D move that way. Right now, we've it was always kind of implied that on Next Generation, it it was a ship that was very big and kind of moved very gracefully. But really, it's because they were using a model and you can't shoot it that way. So I get it. Well, I think George Lucas would disagree. (laughs) Oh, I actually know you're right. You're right. Because no, that's exactly right. Because it's like, you know, Star Trek is not Star Wars. They don't do dogfights like that. But I attribute it like this, right? You know, just because we haven't seen that done doesn't mean that it couldn't be done. Like everybody, I said this to you the other day on the phone. I said, you know, you may have a nice car, but one person's going to treat it respectfully and another one's going to drive it like a maniac. Right. And so it's just, it, I just think that starship navigators, they just, they, they, they treat their ships with respect and you know, they, they, yeah. yeah. I, I think another thing was that you had data doing it. So clearly data is faster at able right. to make all these calculations and things. Right. So well, and I think it, really, it didn't it didn't strike me as off when watching it. No, in fact, I I found it really cool to see the ship moving that way and I just and it and I and I feel like what I loved about it was like you're actually seeing the Enterprise D. I would say almost for the first time really sort of kicking some serious ass like very much like the defiant had done right and w- the way you see it firing everything and even though Worf had said you know weapons are limited but that weapons are limited but it didn't seem that way in this episode um you're seeing it shoot pretty much everything you know because Be- you know when beverly says oh it's been a long 20 years so she's you know she's learned a lot of stuff as far as using weapons are concerned and just seeing it maneuver that way it's like the inter- you're like the galaxy class is really a fucking beast of a starship like you've just it, never it, seen it move that way and fight and yeah, and it really looked so good, right? It it, it did. It never looked it, better. Never. The looked design better. hasn't aged, you know. No, and I think I said this to you the other day. I said, you know, part of the reason why they destroyed it in generations was because at the time they were still using a model, right? And it was a model built for television. And so now bringing it in front of movie cameras, they, they kept saying, and I was listening to this on the DVD commentary. They would say like, you know, shooting it on widescreen, like it didn't really look right. It just, it never seemed right on the screen. And, you know, so they kind of destroyed it and wanted to start fresh for that reason. Well, now we're in an age where you can just digitally create that model. So it doesn't even matter anymore. And so it, it in the case of this show, as I said a minute ago, ship n- never looked better than it did, I think, in this season. It looked it was kind of the first time I really looked at the galaxy class because it was never really my favorite. 
But it was the first time I really looked at it and said, man, that's a really beautiful ship. Like it really, really is a beautiful ship. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a ship guy, but just because of also the, my nostalgic connection to it, having that be the show that I fell in love with. Yeah. It really was nice to see it. So one thing I just want to mention before we sort of get to the ending of this, we didn't, I didn't really have an opportunity to mention this. So for the first time in really, well, maybe the second time in quite a while, Borg were like actually pretty terrifying. And I don't mean terrifying in the sense of like how much of a threat they posed. I'm just talking about what they looked like. I mean, the queen, once again, voiced by Alice Griega, who played the queen in first contact and in Endgame, So you have a good connection there. It was like straight out of resident evil. I mean, she looked amazing and it was just absolutely, absolutely terrifying. She looked like a, Giger painting, really. Like, yeah. Mm. I'm curious to know if there is any information about the designer for the for the setup, because yeah. it's yeah. it's really fascinating and non Borg like, and yet yeah, really Borg. Yeah, I mean, I really like to to the idea that she had to essentially digest the bodies yeah. of all the other Borg to stay alive. Which is great. It also fits with the whole Borg ideology because it's like as long as one of them stays alive, essentially they're all alive. So doing that makes perfect sense. Well, and you know what else? And I didn't catch this on the first viewing and the show didn't really focus on it. But if you pause it and look at the Borg ship, I know like most of it is concealed in like the dust. If you look at it really closely, it's actually a bunch of Borg cubes all fused together. Oh, so they did. Oh, maybe it's, yeah. She just had to do that to get more yeah, bodies. And I'm like, that's. And I'm like, that's really like she's like fifty Borg. You said they should have sent fifty Borg uh, cubes. I guess they did. But like, she's using them as life support, like in in a very sort of like ironic way. She's assimilating all these other Borg cubes into this. It was really and I, and I and I. It was like the second time I was like, oh my god, because I was like looking at all these different like perforations on the thing, and I'm like. You know, I just thought that was like some really cool design, but then I thought, oh wait a minute, those are like, those are those are all board cubes just rammed together. That's really, like, that's really cool. I wish they'd explain that better. That would have made sense as to why it took them so long to get to the center of it when they were flying. I wish like when they saw it, they were just like, you know, what do you make of this data? And he goes, apparently, it's like you know, three hundred board cubes all <laughs> stuck mm. together or something. You know, it could have been that mm. data. You know data observation yeah it would have been painless but but yeah and actually before we get to this i just want to also ask one question to the both of you because i certainly have my thoughts what did you think of of what do you think of data now like what do you think of this new data like he in a way he's like now it's sort of like gone the other way around like it feels like a human with a little bit of ai inside yeah so julia made a very good point when we were watching it that well, Lore didn't have feelings either. Yeah. So why does he suddenly have feelings? And I reminded that, well, the, his creator mm. is also in there, but it's a little it's a little too convenient where it's like, yes, it's Lore, it's B4, and it's the creator. They're all in there. And essentially, like, we just pulled out the bits that are going to make Data into, like, a human, and yeah. that's just how it is, which is, I guess that's fine. I didn't really mind it that much. I, I just, I like this new Data a lot. I think it's really... 
I think it's really cool because again, like the original idea of of, it, of the character of Data, according to Roddenberry, was he wants him to get as close as he can to humanity, but he still doesn't. He's still not there one hundred percent. And I felt like that's what this was. There was still a little bit of that old Data in there, but um, and plus, I just think it's a good way, you know, to get Spiner to play the character again without having to put the makeup on because he hates doing that. So. He just knows mm. what the contact lens is in. But I like this new data. Like, I, I'd want to see more of this data, in all honesty. Mm. Yeah. I'm really glad that they at least acknowledged season one. Where <sighs> yeah. Picard said, you know, last time I saw you, you wanted to die, and I, you know, let you die. I, it, have I violated your wishes by doing this? And he said, that me is resting peacefully, but this me would rather be nowhere else. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's a small thing to put a line in there. But if you had not addressed the fact that Data had died in season one and now was back, it would have just it would have just been like it would have left a bad taste in my mouth because, you know, love or hate the first season. It happened. Well, you know, in spite of the fact that I may not like every creative decision they make, I like that the show made an effort to at least explain things that they know fans are going to be like wait a minute what about the yeah. things are going to they anticipate what fans are going to question yes right? and it's our eternal struggle that we always wish discovery did right but but the and thing you is need to know that metallus wanted to have sochi show up right. and meet um data but they couldn't afford sochi which doesn't make any sense i don't know how busy that actress is but anyway but again uh, so i'm glad that he was acknowledging but even that then the all happened. of those things, even though they may be explaining them to us, because I know they're going to be, we're going to be asking that. They all, but they also made sense. It does double duty. They make sense in the story, in the context of the story too, right? Like, yeah, it totally makes sense in that moment. So, like, the Enterprise D was not brought back just because we love the Enterprise D. It may again, it made sense in the context of the story why the ship was brought back. So it's things like that that I what I appreciate. They went, they took it, they went that extra mile to explain those things, and that help and that helps sell the circumstances. I think a lot better. So, hmm. what did you think of Data, Julia, having so recently watched um, all of Next Gen for the first time? I I really like the new Data. It makes sense uh, once he explains basically how is he is a Data two point because. As you mentioned, yes, Data died. I acknowledge that Data died, but also acknowledge that he can still be Data in a different way. And that was great. And I also did like his neurotic approach to things right. because that's very Data <clears throat> jammed with emotions. So that I I did I did like him this way. Well, and I also I liked when he was like pleading with Jordy to let me fly the Enterprise in there. He goes, I could, like Jordy, I can do this. I just mm, know I can. A, he had a hunch. Thanks for me. And I thought to myself, that is so. In a way, like you almost want him to like make a mistake because like oh that's part of like learning, but like and being human. But that mm. would not have been the time for it. Right. Or just use logic and say, like, look, if I don't do this, we're all going to die. If I do it and mess up, we're all going to die. Well, so. I'm sitting there and I'd be like, you need to say to him, yeah, like, what's the alternative? What's our other alternative? You know? Yeah. So. Well. the I, Julia, you were oh, going to say sorry. something. 
I'm sorry. I, uh, I don't know. The... So when they have this interaction, when he's pleading Jory to make him fly, I had this weird reaction because, uh, I mean, Data is an android. Right. So <clears throat> he's more in touch with any ship that any human will ever be. But Jordy goes, oh, not even Sydney, my daughter. Yeah. Right. And like, I was like, yeah. No, Jordy yeah. should know that Data could do that. Right. How's he going to say, not even my daughter, who's a normal human, could do it. So you couldn't do it, you android. So he's saying that he thinks his daughter is a better, right. like, faster thinking than Data. Yeah. I, I. Yeah, that's a very good point. That made no sense. Yeah. Like, Jordy should be totally confident that Data could do that. I mean, or at least that he, he could do it better than his daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. The fact that his parameter of perfection is his daughter made me go like, ah. Yeah, Data should have at least taken offense to that. Well, they've saved the day. We knew they were going to save the day. And um, although there was a moment when I really thought at least Picard and Jack were going to die. Yeah. And there was even a moment where I thought maybe. Um, yeah, like your Worf, Picard, and Jack were gonna die. Right. Yeah, I I thought would they actually do that? Are they gonna actually gonna? Yeah. But have, everyone lived. I have a lot of things to say on the matter, if you let me. First thing first, let's start with Troy because I love her, but I love her mother most. <laughs> she is my favorite character, Luxana. Mm -hmm. I love you. So, um, when uh, when they meet, um, I mean Troy and uh, Riker, they meet in the ship, that, and they are uh, prisoners. She says something along the line of, "Oh yeah, they sent a you changeling, and he kidnapped me because he tricked me." And that was my first, huh? Oh, yeah. How can a changeling trick her? Because she's the one person they could never trick. Right. I was like, uh? And then, after that, they used her empathy so much that made it even more evident. They were like, what the fuck are you doing, Troy? Like, your empathy is so powerful that you can sense your, your husband across the galaxy, no, well, not the god, but like you know, mm. at a significant distance in space, and you couldn't figure out that this guy that showed at your doorstep was a changeling. Right, that's the one thing she can always tell. Like someone's intent when she first meets them. Like, are they yeah. up to? No I think, it and also, Julie, you made a very good point with why was it that she was able to sort of mind meld with Jack? She never been able to go into someone's mind like that. Her, yeah. I mean, I didn't think about it at the time, but when she raised the point, I did think about it. It, it did. The make show, sense. I think, is taking advantage of the fact that even though she's like Next Generation was, like she's she has she's an empath, but like it's not. She can do what she can as the plot needs it. Right, there's yeah. not really a limitation on it. It's just sort of like they gave her less power when she needed less. For that. Yes, her her 
powers work as the plot dictates. I just think they went too far with the yeah. mind entering his mind. We'd never seen anything like that before, I don't think. Uh, in Nemesis, we did. Where she literally could see. Because yeah. remember, she was like, I'm going to open the door. Well, she we was. Let me open the door. She... Yeah, the thing that she was seeing is very mind meld. Because she yeah. didn't really see anything before. In Nemesis, I mean, I would say, yeah, it's a similar thing in Nemesis with the uh, with the Viceroy, with Shinzon's Viceroy. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, he kind of came into her mind, and so there, it was. Yeah, so she wasn't initiating it; she was sort of like mind raped in a way. But um, that was also sort of a new thing, too. Mm. The same questions were even being asked then like what the you know what is this what's going on so again it was it's just another example of like as the plot needs it and yeah, yeah. and as i was saying they should have given troy a proper send-off <laughs> actually have her well, power work for herself i'll tell you this if this had been if like if the real tuvok was there then he would have done a vulcan mind melt my mind an actual mind melt and it would have made sense but they didn't have they don't have a vulcan on this. So well, it was interesting. Uh, so I just said this last night. I said I think that's why they had Vatic kill the only Vulcan on the Titan. Yes. That, oh, maybe so. Maybe because I mean, there was maybe, a Vulcan maybe. there, and that's the one Vatic killed. So I'm like, okay, because obviously the the first thing you do is do a mind meld to figure right. out what the hell's going on with Jack. Right. Yeah. I mean, Tuvok did that many times with people on Voyager over the years. So um, yeah, it's great. But I think also like it also gives Deanna a very significant con- con- contribution to the to the plot. That's I know true. I know it doesn't seem like it makes any sense or like it's just so out of the ordinary that what we've seen with her, but Yeah, they could have done it within her power set, which is like talk him through doing it. But right. they did, which yeah. is fine. It, it was interesting though, on the second watch, I saw Troy in the cell with Riker and I kind of thought it took me a while. Actually I didn't I was thought how the hell did she get here again? Yeah, they don't really. And she kind of just appeared, and then yeah. she had some story. Yeah, they put me in here, and they just. And so they also, it wasn't real smart of them. Like, okay, we're gonna put the married couple in the same cell. Yeah, but that's fine. You had to do it for the story, I guess. Yeah. And it ultimately didn't even matter at the end of the day, anyway. So, right, and then yeah. yeah so everything about that, and then um, Worf shows up and rescues them. All that was a little silly. Yeah. There. Yes, it was. You know how they gave emotional connections with their season of choice to all the characters? Like, you know, Seven of Nine is fondly remembering and talking Mm. about Voyager. Love that scene. Picard and the whole crew, they have the same thing. Wouldn't it be nice if war, like given that he think he's about to die, either got rescued by a new incarnation of Dax, somehow, yeah, or his son, Alexander, or his yeah. son, yeah, or if he if they decided to actually kill him, see Dax in Stovokore. Yeah, like I, somebody pointed out, yeah, like how come he's not 
referencing Dax in those moments. Yeah, and also they had all this talk, Picard and Riker, about having a son. Where was Worf during I, the yeah, sun? Like it was like Worf was. He had a son for anybody. He, yeah, so he's got some very rich history from that he can that he could have carried over from Deep Space Nine. But um, yeah, I didn't think it was nice though that he said uh, he receives the information from a changeling that he trusts. Right, and we knew what well, he meant. And that was nice. And I had said to you so to kind of put a bow on my thoughts on this part of the season. I had hoped that there would be some DS9 contribution other than, you know, because we're using the changing and whatnot. And I remember I said to you, I said, you know, I wonder if, if Rene Abergenois was still with us today, would he have actually been involved this season in some way? Right. I don't think they were uh, because they the question what I wrestled with was like if we are going to get a DS9 cameo at some point this season who would it have actually been right I don't think it would have been Cisco and I think we may have discussed this no. last time I don't it's not enough on it's not enough there for Cisco it seemed to me the best candidate would either have been a Dax or Kira yeah and since well yeah or I but I do agree that um Odo would have been the best I think, one Oh yeah, if he were still here, I I'm fairly I'm actually fairly convinced that Renee would have at least appeared in an episode, maybe not throughout the entire season, but maybe they wouldn't have paid for him. <laughs> right, right. He's I, also a cameo, audio cameo, true cameo. They want to keep it very limited to like, only uh, next generation except seven. I could see them having him there like not to interact with the tng crew but like when Worf's telling the story like you know a friend of mine told me maybe it would have been like a flashback see it. yeah you'd or see, you it. Could it see that been... scene where he reaches out to him somehow or meets with him right it would... he... exactly they exactly used the, the voice of uh angel they could have oh i know it's so, so great to hear by the way i meant to a taste of anything auto ever said and sample his voice you know, no, that's true. Yeah, I mean, she's dead too. Yeah, but I guess you have so much of her just saying computer stuff; it's just too easy. Yeah, can we just, just for one second, just like because I forgot to mention that in the Enterprise thing, I was so mm-hmm. glad to hear that. Like, I really, it just put a big smile on my face, and I was wondering, like, because you can do, it's very easy to do AI voice this, these days. You just need like twenty minutes, and they can. Right. You know, but I've, I'm like, are they are they, are they recreated or do they just? That they sampled. they must have they sampled it. They, they must have sampled it. almost everything you can think of. Well, when Picard actually regains command of the ship, I think I believe when she says like you know command turned over to general, I believe that might come from chain of command. So they were sampling actual clips. But it yeah, funny because sense. it's still. I mean, she yeah, say theater. It wouldn't say it the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but so now that the series has concluded you know we've saved the day the crew saves the day the enterprise d is properly placed in the museum the enterprise d gets a proper send up by being placed in the uh in the museum finally mm-hmm. um oh crap i just realized what we did not see what we did not see picard uh go and meet up with his uh romulan girlfriend we didn't. We didn't get proper. I'm so surprised we didn't get that. We didn't get a proper send off for her. What? Yeah. 
We need Star Trek Laris. Well, uh, no, but really, I mean, they set that up so well at the beginning of the season. It would have made so much sense if that had been the last scene. Huh. Well, and also, I actually was kind of expecting a brief appearance from Elnor, too. Oh, yeah, because he's still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That, and so, so that, that was mean, disappointing. That I mean, that I think that was disappointing. But yeah, um, but it is what it is. So it is what it is. But anyway, we got this the the um, backdoor pilot. I feel yes. And so yeah. once again, patting myself on the back here, it ended exactly how I thought it would. So the like, Enterprise F, showing up to Jack. No, 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 no. I was gonna say that'd be a very wild the Enterprise F. We saw it, I believe, get destroyed in last in the last episode, in the episode before the last, the penultimate episode. And I remember saying to you, I said, I bet you anything this season is going to end with the reveal of a new Enterprise. And it was not new, yeah, sure. but we got a new Enterprise. We got a new Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can get that from the budget point of view, but I was like, I don't want the Enterprise G to be the Titan. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Yeah. I would have been nice if after they had told Picard, um, they're naming it non review, and they said Enterprise, and he looked and he was like, Why didn't they call it Picard? I think they they'd actually thought about doing that. But I I I, I liked that scene when he said like may, names mean almost nothing. And then they, they set that up and they see the enterprise and he goes, Names mean almost every, mean everything. Huh. Yeah. Huh. But that even so, that reveal of that felt like sorry, felt like the end of the voyage home when the Enterprise A is revealed. So I I saw the connection there as well. So hmm. a random train of thought of mine. Uh just to make the relationship or where they stand uh, um between Picard and Beverly hmm. more grounded, wouldn't even be better instead of like starting as a fight like you never told me i had a son but including in this fight a conversation about how and why his <laughs> son is named like her first husband yeah. i don't know it would have been that never came up yeah in, in you date after your first husband even just like what? But actually, Picard was friends with him, right? So maybe he wouldn't have minded. Deal is just weird. It's not like getting mad about it, just being weirded out. It does make I me wonder, like, where do we may not see it, but where do Picard and Beverly go from here now? You know, what's the what do they do with each other now? Nothing. He has Laris waiting for him. He's on to. He's on to the next one, so to speak. Can you imagine if he completely forgot about her, given that he was moving and just never came back? Yeah. Solaris? Yeah. Uh, poor Laris. So, yeah, I mean, everyone... We're being set up for something, right? I, as far as I know, they don't have any firm plans that they're announcing anyway that something is going to come out of this. But when you end the series showing a new crew yeah. of an of an enterprise ship, it right. seems like you're at least putting the idea out you're putting there. The, they're putting the idea out there. And again, you know, if we don't, not again, because I didn't say this, if we don't get a series out of this, I still think it's a, 
cool way to end it because it's like oh they're just going off to adventures unknown we'd like to see them but no. um yeah i and people are clamoring they just oh wait star trek legacy we need to start to play and i and i gotta say like i'm you and I were kind of talking about this because you were saying to me, like, yeah. you know, what if they did like a Strange New Worlds, but in the 25th century? And See, that's what I want. I want the Strange New, the next generation version of Strange New Worlds, where right. you tell stories that are closer to the series that you are right. spinning from. So they'd be more like next gen stories, but, you know, with some continuing small elements of storylines, but mostly one offs. I think that would be the most sensible thing, given how successful Strange New Worlds has been. That would be a logical way to go. And I think that would work for people because then you also you'd be seeing like back to a regular show, which is just doing, doing Starfleet stuff, regular Starfleet stuff. I, I thought about this in the, la- in the last week that the show has ended and I would watch it, but I don't, I'm not excited. I don't feel like I need it. This is not like when season two of Discovery ends and I ended and I was like, I need a show about Captain Pike and the Enterprise. Like I need I need that to happen. I'm not left with that feeling with this. I, I just I don't I, I like what you're saying, but to me that that's not different. Just changing the setting is not different enough to get me i mean if it's written well then what does it matter mm, well i think it would be different more than just changing the setting it would be you know because the story style between changing next the gen time period. And original series yeah. are, the, the, sto- the style of story being told are very different right so the stories would be just like strange new worlds in the style of the original series you got more silly stuff you've got a little more like crazy aliens and yeah you, so you'd be in the style of next, of next gen. generation yeah um and here's another thing. I think I like Seven. I like Raffi. Yeah. I don't care that much about Jack, and I don't care that much about the um right. the the LaForge girls either. Right. I mean, I'll the whole crew, right? That we've seen the LaForge girls. Yeah. Uh, Jack Seven. Well, it's Raffi. the next next generation, really, right? So that's what it would be. Yeah. 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 But I think that's a I think that's a pretty reasonable Nepo generation. The Nepo, yeah, the Nepo babies. Although Seven's not a Nepo baby. No. Yeah, she is. She's the adoptive oh, yeah, that's daughter true. of Janeway and Tuva. I, I guess my point is there's not enough there that gets me excited for that kind of a show. It's um like I said, I of course I would watch it, but I don't find myself clamoring for it. Um, so I agree with that only because I, I'm not that pumped about as long as they didn't focus on Jack very much. I, I think th- I could like it a lot. And I still think, even though you kind of reinforced it by saying, "Yeah, you know, as much as Strange New Worlds is done in the style of the original series, this would be Next Generation." Fine. That's still not enough for me, though. It's still, it's just like, that doesn't feel different enough to, for me. Unique enough to maybe get, to make me get excited. Like, yes, we absolutely have to have. This and I'm curious, though, why, why is it the Strange New Worlds is unique enough? Well, I think it's, you know, because <laughs> I actually, I was planning this talking point and then, and I knew that you were going to ask me. Hmm. Because it's like, this is sort of, 
in a way building on the nostalgia factor right and it's like okay you could make the same argument about strange new worlds it's nostalgia yeah. in a different way right but i think i but in a way i think it's not nostalgia even less than stranger world because this actually would finally be putting right. regular star trek stories in to the future of star right. trek i yeah from i think it's because for me strange new worlds um now keep in mind i always wanted that to happen as a show right discovery didn't put the idea in my head i always wanted to see a show or something exploring the pike era of the enterprise i always thought that was a very exciting i was very excited and very interested in that time period mm -hmm. i i'm not there's just nothing i don't i, I i'm not interested in I, I i guess i sort of like the idea of what cap who captain pike is that time in the enterprise sort of telling me more about the pre history of the enterprise and that time before kirk and it was like the cage offered a very interesting concept where like this is what star trek could have been but it didn't become that it became something else and it was sort of like in a way it kind of felt like this sort of lost star trek series of what could have been and i just got very much interested in like exploring that era of it and how did how did pike's five-year mission go how did kirk become you know how did the whole how did it all lead into kirk's command i was always very curious about that and sort of so it's more about i guess like sort of filling in a hole i want to know more mm. about this and how it all evolved to become the original series with this mm. one and it's weird because like when you think about that like you're there's also some constraints you have to sort of be mindful of in this one you can do anything you want. There's nothing you really need to adhere to. It's like, it's like a totally clean slate. And yet for some reason it doesn't excite me as much. I, I just characters. I, I don't. Cause the one point I remember you, we, we liked the idea of a Rafi seven continuing. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, I still, I, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I think it's probably going to happen, honestly, given the track record of the way the decisions are made for, on this new, uh, you know, this right. new management team. Right. It's like it has as much, mm, you know, conversation going on as I think the Pike did, and that sort of came from, yeah, how much interest there was. But you bring you bring up a good question. I mean, maybe it is the characters, right? I mean, I, I of course, I love Seven of Nine. I always have. And I like this new version of her. And I like Rafi mm. as well. But I think there was just something about Anson Mount coming on, playing Captain Pike. And I, and I actually think he could have played anybody. And I still would have said, this guy needs a show. But he he just sort of like had this, he oozed that great Starfleet captain sort of, well, I don't, no one's going to live up to Pike for you because he's like your favorite captain, right? There so. was just something about it. And, I, you know, it just, that's that's what struck me. It just, I, I just was very struck by it and the story possibilities. But this one, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know what it is. I can't, I, I can't really no. put it into words. It's just, it's just, you get a feeling about it, right? And I'm just like, eh, okay, I'm like, I'll watch yeah. it, but I'm not like, yes, I must have this as a show. This needs to be a show. 
Yes, I, I look forward to seeing what they'll do with it if it does happen. Right, and, but uh, like I said, of course I'll still watch it. Why not? You've already got me. It's Trek. I'm, I'm absolutely going to watch it. But what do you think about the fact that not only was the backdoor pilot, but then we also almost got like, hey, here's also going to be a storyline in it right. because Q is coming to visit Jack. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm, I want to see more of that. Like, because that's a different dynamic. I somehow watching it, kept wishing they uh, casted uh, what's his name, the actor, um, Q's actor. John Delonte. Yeah, if they if they actually casted his son, uh, you know, like Baby Q. Oh, from the, Voyager, yeah. Yes. That would. Oh, oh what a lost opportunity! And uh, so, given that Jayway is the good mother, and he was notoriously a dick to the point that Q took his powers and gave him to Janeway because he was too much of a dick and he couldn't stand him, and he was like. Oh my god. Because teach him, teach him Janeway. Well, also, if they brought back Q's son, that's also the next generation. Yeah. And a different dynamic given that Q's son's an ass. Oh, that would have been such a great idea. Yeah. So good I job. Could still do that, I guess. No. I really did like the fact that Q made this little joke when they said, uh, you know, didn't you die? And he, and he said, you silly, stupid humans think of times in such a linear way. That was funny. That was very on brand for Q. Well, again, it, it, yes, absolutely. And it makes sense. Like, of course, like, yes, Q's on, he can, yeah, they can do whatever. They can just write stuff that, and it would make sense for the character. But I'll tell you, when Q first showed up, I kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh God. Because I was already like, They've already undone all this stuff from the past seasons. Now, now it's like, oh, one more. We're going to do one more. We're going to bring Q yeah. back. And I'm just like, oh. And this, sort of, this actually comes full circle to our discussion in the beginning of yeah. um, of proper send-offs. Right. Because if if this is allowed to continue, then who's to say that five years from now, someone's not going to say, you know what? Um, Picard season three was not a proper send-off for Picard. Nice. We need to recast and do another one. So now perhaps, now the idea is, well, Q's send-off wasn't proper in right. season two of Picard, so now we have to bring him back for this new show and give him a proper send-off. That's right. So that's something I was going to mention with this show, and we mentioned it in between recording, right, where I said, it's been a great season. Okay, it really has. But much of it, to me, in concept, feels like the word I keep coming back to is an addendum. So, like, the Enterprise-D crashed in Generations. Well, actually, we're going to bring it back from Viridian 3 and restore it. And now it's a working ship again. Now it's in the museum. Because we didn't like the way the Enterprise-D... Now we got the Enterprise-D gets a proper send-off. Yeah. Um, what did you say? Uh, I don't think we were recording when you said it, but Kirk's Remains. Why don't you... Yeah, so, so we had it Astrum. Yeah. Uh, Terry Metalis had did some interview and said the reason that he included Kirk's remains was because he felt Kirk's send off in generations was not a proper one. And he wanted to lay the groundwork for someone. He said, not for him, but for some other writers to give Kirk a proper send off. 
Which I don't know why he wasn't a pro. I mean, maybe he didn't like it, but I mean, he sacrificed his life to save the day. I mean, that's a pretty proper send off. Right. What are you going to do? You going to get Shatner back? I mean, the guys. <laughs> well, you know, they can use. I don't know, Chris Pine. Is it waiting the, until the technology is cheap enough to you can actually bring back Chetner? I mean, who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, yeah, so it's just, this whole thing of proper send off. Proper send off to uh, what's her name? Dasha Yar. Well, yeah, yesterday's, she Enterprise was a, yesterday's Enterprise was a proper send off for her. When Data pulled up his uh, little hologram, that was her proper send off. I, I, I think it's like when does it, when does this end? I think right? like that's the working when what? it stops when it stops getting attention and people to watch. I'm going to tell you, you know what I think got a really good proper send off in this season, and you're going to laugh at me when I tell you this. Okay, well. the HMS Bounty. Okay, the Klingon ship in the Starfleet Museum, the one that was in the oh, yeah, the one and from, sank uh, in the bay. Before, and I said yeah. we we I said that's real. I'm like that's great. That's yeah, that was, I'm like I love that they did that. I, yeah, I think, yeah, we've discussed many times on the podcast. I think Star Trek 4 is both of our favorite right. Star Trek films. So the fact that any connection to Star Trek 4, I get excited about. Right. But the fact that they established that the HMS Bounty was pulled out of the bay. Yes. They couldn't find it for years because it was cloaked <laughs> when it sank. Which sounded like a very lower decks thing, actually. Um, That's true. But I like that they did that. And I thought to myself, because I always wondered, like, what happened to that? Did they recover it? Did they just let it sink? What went on? You know, what happened with that thing? So I like that they... That was a proper send off as far as I'm concerned, but it, it was a season that just felt like it's going to take all of these things that they felt didn't end the way they liked. So they're going to let people sort of end it however they feel they see fit. Now, what I said to you offline one day is I said, you know, look, if you wrote something, okay, whether you had the idea to end something or you just had to do it because somebody told you this has to happen. Some, some writer made the decision, Ronald D. Moore, in this case, Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Raga made the decision to crash the enterprise. You know, they had to kill off Kirk and right. That's some, and it's like, you're coming in and like taking somebody else's work and saying, no, actually I'm going to change that. And I'm going to do it this way. Like I, I don't just from an artistic perspective, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. I don't, I just, something about that. I don't, I don't like. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I made this point before, but it's getting to the point where I think we have to start thinking of these characters the way we think of characters in comic books. Yeah. Where it's like, if they die, they're not going to stay dead. If someone else takes over as them, it's only going to last a little while. You know, the other character is going to be back and like nothing is permanent or matters. And the story will be told again many, many times. Right. And I, I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing. I, I, I but it, it, I think to me, it it's just kind of feels board. like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, but I, I don't like it. I still don't like it. I just, yeah. If it's like, if it works and I, it can't work forever. I mean, so bad, how, I don't know. Do enough people even care about Kirk? Well, and you know, let's not let's also not lose sight of the fact that like this is not the first time this has happened. I mean, Spock died; he was brought back. The Enterprise was destroyed. The Enterprise A came was brought in, right? So Tasha Yar died in Skin of Evil, then she came back in yesterday's Enterprise and was given a proper send up there, right? So like this is this has certainly been done before, but I think it's the way it's done here. Like there's like 
there's so much of it. Those were like one. Those were like kind of like one-offs over the course of like, you know, 20 some odd years, 10, 15 years. Here, it just kind of feels like that was like sort of the seat, one of the season's primary mandates of wanting to take stuff that ended a certain way that they didn't like, and they wanted to fix it. When it's like, it just, it doesn't, there seems to, there's like an active, like they just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't. I mean, like I said, only data, only data is send off quote unquote right. and sort of universally disliked. I feel like all these other ones that they think weren't proper, that it's no consensus that they weren't proper. Right. Maybe some people think they weren't proper, but I think even more or at least the same amount think it was a fine ending. Right. I mean, I had long accepted. Did I like the ending of Nemesis really? No. But I didn't sit there thinking to myself, are they ever going to come around again and try to do this the right way? Right. Because you always had the last episode of the series, which was great. So it's like you didn't really need anything else. And they, which they, you know, kind of mirrored in this one as well with the card game. Yeah. But was interesting. I mean, it's just I don't I the last thing I'll say about this, the last thing I'll say about this is that I just think that this is the crew of Trek that's gotten the most screen time out of every show, out of every cast. And I love them. They're great, great characters, great actors, but I really kind of feel like it's time to move on from this. I know that there's talk like, could this continue into a film or something like that? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't need another TNG. I didn't really need this TNG adventure, right? I just long accepted like that. That's over with now. I want to move on to other things. So for my sake, I do hope this is the truly the ending for the next gen cast. <laughs> until, they need a, until someone decides this was improper. Right, and they're all like we 95 years old. Proper that they didn't put many of the characters that I really wanted to see in it. Like, yeah. Barclay has been the constant yeah. connection between TNG and mm-hmm. Voyager. O'Brien. TNG well, and yeah, but Barclay, like, they really pushed him in Voyager to the point that I was like, right. again? But O'Brien was as much a member of the Next Generation cat crew yes. in my mind. Yeah, I mean, they brought back Shelby. Which was random. Give me a Brian. Right. Yeah. I I also don't want this as good as it was and as successful as it was and as much as people loved it. I don't want this to set a precedent. In other words, I don't Yeah, O'Brien needs a set. (laughs) Like I don't want them now to come back and say, All right, now we're gonna give this we're gonna give DS9 this treatment. Now we're gonna give Voyager this treatment. Like I just I don't this is not what I feel the future of Star Trek should be. And if we end it here with the screw, great. I have it. I have it. I have it. I'm pitching it. Star Trek Engineers starring Jordi LaForge. I'm in. Uh, Sydney. Sydney LaForge. No, not Sydney. The other daughter. And Sydney yep. because she's the, the rebel rebel. Uh, what's her name? Um... Belana, mm-hmm. O'Brien, O'Brien. Um, what's oh, happening? you can have you can bring back the Titan captain who was the old grease monkey. Bring him back to life. Yep. 
and Anna and uh, Kim, Harry Kim, because he also was a great engineer. And I, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Montgomery Scott's uh, grandson. Yeah, those won't cost. They, they, those actors won't cost much money. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I. If this is the end, great. I don't need another adventure. We're, we're good. We're good with this crew. Yeah, but I, we'll definitely be seeing seven. So, can I just mention one last thing? Not really, just one news item. Sure. So, because we haven't talked about this yet, and the news broke in between them. We finally got the official announcement for Section 31. All right. So it's going to be a, a streaming film, yes. which I assume was a compromise between yeah. uh, you know, the people at Star Trek and um, newly uh, Academy Award winner. Michelle Yeoh. Cool. Giorgio. Yeah. I, yeah, that's great. You know what? I can take two hours of Section 31. I can't take 10 hours of Section 31. And I again, I, this is like the third time I'm going to do this tonight. I feel I feel vindicated because how many times did you hear me say I want to get it on record? I said it to you privately, but I want to get it on record again. How many times did you fucking hear me say they should just make streaming movies made for streaming movies? Yeah, and that, I, that hasn't really been a thing. Right. And I think it's because it kind of goes against the business model of streaming mm. because you want people to subscribe and stay subscribed. Right. And with the movie, you can just, oh, give me the free uh, trial and I'll just watch the movie and then get rid of it. But if you have that among series, that's how it works. What's that, Julia? You can even just sell them just for streaming only, but for sale, where you actually have to purchase. Yeah. But, but I think it's great. And I guess the idea is they want to do, this is like going to be the first. So they want to do other streaming movies every couple of years. And I actually think that's where the future of. I don't think we're going to get a legacy series. I could see this. I could see them returning to this in a made for streaming film, which whatever, that's fine with me too. Yeah, I'm into it. So, and the last thing, strange new worlds season two, June 15th. Okay. Exciting. The trailer for that dropped as well. So, I, I think that the crossover episode with Lower Decks is my most anticipated Star Trek uh, in a while. Yep. Are you watching Strange New Worlds, Julia? I don't think I asked you this. I haven't yet. I, I think you I, should. I, I'm taking a brief pause hmm. from Star Trek because I watched too much. I'm pushing Enterprise for her next. but I, I'm going to start watching Enterprise soon. Oh, boy. Uh, but I want to give it some pause. Yeah. That's okay. Fair. That's understandable. Um, so I did see something really cool before we go. So when, we, when you know, people were talking about all these different ideas for series and even with Picard season three, are there any other shows that we could go back and revisit? Somebody mentioned Enterprise. But I actually thought this was kind of interesting. So not doing like Star Trek Enterprise season five. But what if we did a what if they did a political drama? Because if you recall at the end of Enterprise, Archer became the first Federation president. Oh, what if you did brilliant. like a West Wing style Star Trek show with him as his first years in the the first years oh, of the Federation with him as president? So good. I don't think they'll ever do it, but it'd be so good. And I think that Andor uh, over on Disney, the Star Wars show Andor, I think has proven that you know you yeah. can do these different kinds of shows because Andor had a very different tone than any of the other Star Wars shows or movies, but it, people mm. really love it. 
So I think that's brilliant. And the good thing about Enterprise, the actors are not that old. Right. You desperately want DePaul back. I know you do. And of course, Archer. Yes. You know, I love Archer. Unfortunately, Porthos is likely long dead, but totally. unless they have really great veterinary care in the future. Mm. Um, can I just ask one quick thing before we go? If you don't mind. So go for it. I was just doing some research online. And I came across an article. The title of it intrigued me from IndieWire. And it said, now I've not watched this. So I kind of want to get your hot take on it. It said, Star Trek Picard succeeded in every way the Mandalorian failed. I, um, I have nothing to say. About that. I have no comment on that. So <laughs> I, I mean, they're two different shows. Understand. So I don't even know what that means. But it's like, talking about it says so i i kind of just pulled some stuff it says the mandalorian season three ended on a stale on as stale a note as could be imagined any hints of evolution or character development flattened into oblivion this <laughs> ending could have could have been the season one finale or series finale altogether it doesn't really matter well picard pulled off a bit of a cheat with a series finale that's obviously setting up future stories and it was also deeply invested with emotion found ways of giving meaning to old symbols and thoughtfully reflected on what past meant rather than just wanting to repeat it. The Mandalorian is repetition. Picard represented an evolution. Now I have not watched the season of the Mandalorian. So as somebody who has, I know I'm sort I think of like you're, feeding you're fuel to the fire about, of the Star Wars versus Star Trek thing, but I just wanted to get, yeah, no, I, I have something to say. I'll say you're talking about one show that is the culmination of like 30 years of character yes. ending. And you're comparing that to a show that's like three years old and is in the middle of its run. It's not the last episode. There's, it's like comparing right. apples and cream cheese. They are both star something. Well, like, I, were they both? I mean, did they, like, what did they do this season on the, like, I don't even. It, it, that person probably didn't watch Clone Wars. I don't know. Because they picked up on a lot of things from the Clone Wars with the Mandalorians. And I didn't think it was the best season, but. Right. It was cool. Now, like I said, I've not watched the season of Mandalorian, but I kind of, in reading the, I didn't, that's not the full article, but I just sort of took an interesting passage out of it. I said to myself, having not even seen the season of the Mandalorian, I kind of reached the same conclusion you did. It's the culmination of seven seasons of the next generation, four films, and now one additional season. And it's that. It's a legacy. And two other seasons of Picard, like in just, yeah. yeah. When this, it's, it's like, how many episodes does that show have? Like 25? Yeah. Yeah. That's It's very strange. Well, to compare I, the things. reason I asked you is because I, I was like, was the Mandalorian, like, did, were they doing like a similar thing in terms no. of like, the theming of their seasons or something like that? Like what the goal no, of the season it, was? He, he, this one was mostly about the larger, two larger groups of Mandalorians that are in exile from Mandalore and they have to kind of put aside their differences and team up in order to try to take back their planet of Mandalore. So it doesn't, it. it's not similar in any way. <laughs> it's a nuts article. Yeah, I mean, I can understand like you writing something like, oh, you know, the Star Trek 2009 reboot versus like what that did right and what the, and what like Force Awakens failed to do because they were both sort of reboots in, in a way. But I thought to myself, like, is the Mandal? But the Mandalorian's not ending, right? It's, this is just. Right, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, if they talk like the send off of Luke, maybe that's com comparable to the send-off of Picard, but not the third season ending of a show that's probably going to have like six or seven seasons. 
Yeah, that's that person is. Uh, what's their name? I want to give them. Uh, I want to tweet angrily at them. <laughs> I didn't take down the name, but it's from Indy. It's from IndieWire, so just put it. I'm in, just kidding. Okay, I'm tweet angrily. I don't care enough. Well, let but. me tell you something. When the Mandalorian doesn't get its proper send off, and then 50 years from now somebody comes along and gives <laughs> the proper send off, then maybe there's a. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess they did give both. to be when. <laughs> when Terry Metalis in 20 years decides, you know what? I'm gonna redo the ending of the Mandalorian. Yeah. All right. Here's the article. This is interesting. I'm going to read this article later. Yeah. And again, like I know I'm like feeding fuel into the fire, like the whole like Star Wars versus Star Trek thing, but the article was written that way. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to see what that's it's, all about. I but. wasn't, I wasn't talking about you, Kevin. I was talking about the article. No, yeah, I and I get they did. Here's the thing. They both this finale for both shows aired. One aired on Wednesday. One aired on Thursday. Yeah, I can see why it was kind of cool. Be like, oh, watch one one day, one the next day, but I I didn't see any need to compare them, like uh, Chris Blauvelt but did, right? Yeah, it just yeah, it made me curious if, and I think because with the that recent Star Wars announcement with what are they doing? Like he's coming into one of the movies or something like that. I actually thought the series was might have been ending or at least ending for a while, and then. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like we'll never get rid of Pedro Pascal. He is intertwined with our culture now. Sure. Well, I want to be sure that he's remains with The Last of Us. So. Um, all right. It's interesting. He says um uh Star Wars used to have the upper hand over Star Trek and it still does but I'm still going to argue <laughs> that it doesn't even though I just said that it does well I think he even says like it does in terms of viewership yeah like, like more then, people like, watch so it more successful so like that doesn't Yeah, and then he says like and also Android was awesome It just made no. me think of both series on like a similar path or something like that, and is that why he's drawing comparisons? But I guess not. Yeah. Uh, clickbait. All right. I just yeah. I just wanted to get your. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on that. Well, no, I appreciate <laughs> that because I find it. Funny, I found so. it fascinating. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. With that said, it looks like we will not be back until June ish with. Yeah, season two of Strange New Worlds, which yeah, just to repeat, major news drops. Just to repeat, we'll be back on June fifteenth, so we'll be back sometime shortly after that. Um, Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to the season. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be cool. Yes, and I hope you will be joining us for that, Julia. Yes, listeners and Julia. Uh-huh. Yeah, Julia, get caught up and join us. I think the the outcry from the fans is just is deafening. Really cringe. Well, just you have to put Red Letter Media out of your mind for you watch it. It's not because of Red Letter Media; it's because of that trailer. Yeah, but put the trailer out of your mind. I didn't like the trailer either. For Strange New Worlds. Yeah, remember I made the point. So, like, she says to Kerr, a Spock, Spock says something that is completely a thing that a normal Starfleet science officer would say and um what's her name sung and i'm uh khan lady turns to him and says like don't you ever speak english 
And it's like, you're on a spaceship in space. He's using technical science data because he's a science officer. Why are you acting like you're like two kids in a high school, like smoking a joint and he says some big word and you're like, oh my God, you're using such big words. Also, that, that drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. Also, it's Star Trek. They talk crazy technical shit all the time. Nobody's going to turn to me and be like, oh, speak English. Also, Vulcans don't speak English. Nobody speaks English. They all speak their own language. Universal translator. Yeah. That's but really, if the, you, the science officer uses technical language, that's not worth commenting on. And in a very racist way, such as, do you ever speak English? Yeah, and a very um, just like a, it just didn't fit. Just didn't fit. Well, either way, I'm looking forward to it. I don't care about that stuff because it's my favorite truck show. So, oh, I wouldn't care about it either if it, I didn't have to see it every single time I put on any Star Trek show. I had to watch that. That's scene. not the new trailer though. That's from last season. That's just telling you all episodes are available. I know, but I just saw it too much because it was playing all the time. That's well, all. Put that out of your mind. That's not season two. That's season one. Put that out of your mind. Yeah, flame. All right. Well, you know, I like that moment. And Julia hasn't seen the show, so all she knows is that moment. Yeah, so you just spoiled one. Good job. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, we look forward to coming back and uh, talking about season two of Strange New Worlds. So, until, unless some news breaks, as he said, hopefully some news break. We will see you sometime in June. Enjoy your spring and early summer, listeners. All right. Bye. Peace out, everyone.